Recorded live. Hey, Glenn. Hey, how's it going? Ah, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, it's going. Yeah? It's going, it's, uh, you know, I'm, uh, uh, Dana's on, on, by the way. Yeah? Um, yeah. Hi. Hey. <laughs> how's it so going? So, I, you know, I heard about you and, you know, what's going on with you over the last few weeks, a month. So, and uh, you know, it's fucked up as usual. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I, I uh, was able to talk to you today. It's been a while. What was that again? That I'm glad I'm able to talk to you today because it's, it's been a while. But, yeah. Well, I'm I'm under. Uh... A sentence <laughs> by by uh, Ontario Hydro yeah. that if I don't yeah. send them uh, something like fifteen thousand dollars, <laughs> they're going to pull the plug. <laughs> Some made up money, right? <laughs> yeah. They're going to pull the plug. This is about fifth warning that I've got. They've been doing something in the. Hydro pole recently. I don't know yeah. exactly what it is. Setting up a camera or whatever. Yeah, Jenny was saying something about that. They were at, like at the front gate or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, obvious that they believe that threatening me is going to have some kind of result that would be beneficial to them. However, why they come to that conclusion, I haven't got a clue. Because <laughs> it never has occurred with anybody who's done that to me in over 30 years since uh, 1986 when I was asked for a bribe by a parliamentarian, as you might remember. So why they would imagine that I would be susceptible to that kind of activity, I don't know. But they obviously do, and... Uh, Shutting down the hydro uh, 
seems to be their way of hiding the fact that I pointed out to them that I was not the only person who was saying that there was a problem. I was only the only person who said there's a solution to the problem. Because as the ombudsman of the premier's office had suggested last year, when uh, he had done an investigation of Hydro, was uh, they were running a corrupt system. And that corrupt system involved um, boosting the power to a point where the surplus would be sent into the ground in certain selected locations. And by sending it into the ground, they would be charging up a either natural or humanly set up magnetic system, electromagnetic system that would create a magnetic field similar to what you get in a microwave oven. And that magnetic field for those people who lived in it for years at a time, I don't know how long it actually takes to have an effect, but over time, I'm sure that whatever studies they've done on microwave ovens um, or the Van Allen belt that surrounds the earth, um, you would get some kind of comparative numbers. The uh, ombudsman said, the ombudsman's office said to me that when I complained, I was among a growing number of complainants that until the um, the period of time around 2010 or so, there were uh, coming to the ombudsman's office about 300 complaints a year. And it was after that that they began to install smart meters as opposed to analog meters. These are digital meters. Analog is a little more um, manual activity. It still is affected by electromagnetic fields, but not to the same extent as digital. So they, the office said to me that um, the number of complaints 
in eastern Ontario had grown exponentially uh, over the last few years. And they were telling me this at about 2012 or so, beginning of 2013, about the same time Jennifer was allowed to come to the farm. Uh, the 300 had risen to 4,000 in the same length of time. And what I kept thinking about is if we have a flood, a loo at the Sioux, uh, that would automatically wipe out millions of people who live from the Great Lakes to the Gulf of St. Lawrence and down the East Coast. Uh, a number of people would be looking for places to live. And if you wanted to make a fortune and you controlled the hydro company, knowing that most of the people who own houses are senior citizens, and most um, uh, obviously damaged more easily by an electromagnetic field, you'd start charging up your your electrical system in order to send a greater amount of electricity that than needed, and the surplus, of course, would go to the ground. Now, when I investigated that at this house, uh, I was told by electrical contractors that it's only in recent years that they have removed um, the uh, ground from the roof of the house as a lightning rod, uh, which had a point pointing up and turned it upside down with a point at the bottom and shoved it into the ground and now call it grounded properties and it's illegal I guess to make properties now build houses that have an electrical system that is not grounded well if it's not um, being used on the roof to gather electricity and you put the point downwards when you put it into the ground, that's what electricity looks for. It looks for the highest, sharpest point possible. Thus why church steeples get hit more often than not. But in the ground, and since a rod is only about 
six feet long. Um, why would you need to have a point down into the ground or even a point whatever uh, if if in fact you're going to dig a, a hole next to the foundation and you can lay a rod without a point down anywhere you want it and attach it to your ground system. Well, my suggestion is that depending on what is under the house, um, either naturally placed or artificially inserted before laying the foundation, is a magnetic system waiting to be charged called gravel. It's got the word Ave in the middle of the word gravel. Ave is, of course, Ave Maria, the first known case of genetic engineering in the state of Israel although it had been going on for thousands and thousands of years, even beyond the Ice Age. But I could never figure out in school why my Catholic teachers were telling me that Mary had no sins because she had had no sex. Why did they want us to believe that sex was a sin? That to have no sex and have a baby was somehow greater than someone who had sex and had a baby? Made no sense to me, but at that age, I had more important things to do. Genetic engineering was the um, means by which an egg could be removed from a female, emptied, its contents separated into various jars, and if similar genetics were found in dead people's former personalities, one could imagine that by mixing and matching different genetics, you could create a pool of people whose personalities would be similar, either to have them all live together as a community or to create individuals within those communities. 
genetically engineered uh, people with a certain personality could therefore be made to become, at a future point in time, bureaucrats. Those are people who do what they are told in exchange for a career and a pension, no matter whether it's right or wrong. They are rats, bureaucrats. Now, that suggests that there's a coding of different gene pools. If rats are the example of people who called bureaucrats follow instructions um, and become the first contact that a citizen will have when trying to get something out of their elected politicians. And if the rat is a word that defines a bureaucrat as laying the groundwork, then there has to be other animals that correspond to other tasks. And I've searched for that coding structure for years and years and years, found the Desdemona coding structure, which basically describes the basic plan for life on the planet after the Ice Age, both for the individual and for the communities, one being the numbers and the other being the letters. But defining um, exactly a person's personality always escaped me until it struck me one day that there was a a bank in Canada and Canada has basically six major banks they all could be one bank but it makes it look like they're competitors. And the only actual difference between the banks in Canada uh, are the people working there. Uh, some bank, some branch, you may find nice people. At the same bank, other branch, you may find nasty people. So it all depends what assignment that bank has received. 
in in Canada, for example, you have uh, Bank of Nova Scotia, which is known for the fact that if you want to buy gold, you go to the Bank of Nova Scotia, because they've been assigned caretaker roles over gold. Uh, if you want to uh, rise up in the ranks, uh, you go to the Royal Bank because they've been assigned a, a position of power. If you want to deal with business, uh, you can go to the Toronto Dominion Bank, which is uh, using the letters TD for a good reason, but don't have time this morning to get into that. Uh, Toronto Dominion Bank becomes TD. Uh, Royal Bank becomes RBC. Um, commerce becomes CIBC so that all of the clues that hint they come from Canada disappear when you move to a letter rather than a word structure. But the thing that always interested me the most was how the Royal Bank uh, has a logo. And that logo is a lion. A lion uh, with its tongue stuck out. can be described as a big cat. Most people believe that all lions have a mane, like, like horses or what have you, but female lions don't have manes. And I would suggest that the Royal Bank's lion is disguised in a manner of the Sphinx that the Sphinx as well uh, has an effeminate face to it. And yet history tries to convince us all that it was the son of one of the pharaohs who designed the head uh, and that it had to be male. Well, in the old days, thousands of years ago, when the Sphinx was put up, it was put up next to the pyramids as a water fountain or oasis in the desert. And... Napoleon did not like the face. And when the French military entered into Egypt, one of the things they did was 
shoot a cannon at the face to kind of disguise more the fact that the face was not the face of a male, but really the face of a female. Royals obviously knew things than ordinary people did. Napoleon discovered as he rose in the ranks, making himself a royal. The Royal Bank, which has a link to Montreal, and Montreal is a word that has is uh, a construction with R-E-A-L, Real, which is the Spanish word for royal. Real Madrid is one of the soccer teams in Europe. Mount Royal, Montreal. So if you're going to look around and you find that the business community and political community, the ones with the most money join a social charitable club that links bankers and businessmen, you'll find that it's the Lions Club that has the majority of the people that are in control. So the Royal Bank, Montreal, and a big cat called the Sphinx, and a cat on the emblem of the Royal Bank gave me the interest I needed to expand the search. The other aspect of uh, the coding structures that I dealt with suggested to me that there were certain things that should be observed by someone working in coding. And one was that a clock, before they became digital and continued since they became digital in some cases, if they have enough numbers, deals with hours, minutes, and seconds. And as you know, I was always interested in the fact that the lowest number on the clock was always described as a second. And my question was always, why not a first? If it's the smallest one, then it should be a first, not a second. What happened to the first? And the answer I got from people who should know was number two is number one. Number one is um, cosmetic 
and in hiding. So gathers attention when out in public, but most of the time is in hiding. Rich, rich people can be described as number ones in a social structure. If number one is in hiding, why then is a rat not always in hiding? When I looked at the Royal Bank of Canada logo, and as I said, they're now changing over from words to letters, it became RBC. Well, if you have RBC and a big cat at the end, what would that suggest? Well, human beings began their journey on the planet since the Ice Age as cave dwellers, troglodytes, because a cave can provide protection against cold, heat, um, wild animals, um, a place to eat and sleep in relative peace. Um, but how how did it, it become the place for people to choose to go to at the very beginning? And my suggestion is, like all things that live on the planet, they are made up of uh, component parts that normally are scattered on the surface of the earth by incoming rocks from the sky meteorites, each one bringing a different mixture of things and placing them in different locations on the planet. And for thousands and thousands of years, the material for from one meteorite never came in contact with the material from another meteorite. The chances of them hitting in the same place would be astronomical, but not impossible over time. And that's exactly what creation has, is time. So... 
if the component parts, or if you want to call them by their scientific name, elements, came together as a cocktail eventually, they would begin a process of creating life. And the first life, I guess we can describe as plant life, the uh, weakest part of it, a flower or leaf, the strongest part of it, a tree, bark, wood, and size matters. And trees have been known to grow from one tree to making copies of itself as clones using what is hidden underground, the root structure to pop up new trees in different places, all starting with the same original one. They're always seen to be clones of the original. And later on, in their growth structure, they created seed, usually covered in fruit to feed the seed, and by dropping them, uh, they got to roll around and went to places where the roots didn't grow and met up with the seeds of other trees and eventually, given millions of years, broke down into two separate kinds of trees, the originals and the ones that came from the seed of the original, not the root, and made a slightly different tree, a different gene pool. And of course, the tree had a trunk, and that trunk became the basis of memory. Every year, the tree would spurt growth at a time in spring normally, but that would change in places that don't have four seasons. But basically, in spring, when the sap returned to the tree, it would begin to create a new ring thus enabling that ring to encode in it the weather and other 
natural effects that can impact a tree, such as a flood or lightning or what have you, um, and record that in its ring. And if you look at Lord of the Rings, the movies made suggest that trees speak to others in a manner which human beings did. And trees join the fight in one of the movies um, in a manner which is impossible because a tree is limited in its ability to have motion. So its memory is static. It's what happens in that one place that is being recorded. And what would eventually be required would be memory, or as scientists call it, research, search again what the trees search, research in motion, or rim, would be the ultimate memory gatherer. Between a tree and a human being, there are a number of growth cycles of different animals made up of different elements, but the process of beginning is the same. Elements that had come from meteorites or from things that have been growing here that came from meteorites come together at one stage of the game and create an original which then can begin a change in the system. So let's forget all of the animals in between trees and humans for a second and jump to how did the first human come to be? And the answer would be given billions of years of trial and error, like every other animal before it and every other plant before it, one had to appear made from the elements that came together in a place where it could be nurtured properly, such as a pond that that basically rep replicates the uh, way human beings are born today in uh, uterus. Um, and 
the feed it receives allows it to grow until the bag breaks and the baby appears. So you can be certain that babies, original babies, appeared along the edge of a pond a little bit like uh, Moses appeared to royals in a basket in a pond and was taken in by them. A replica, a little bit of how the first ones came about. Now there's a problem. The problem is after the baby is born, It must be fed because it can't handle the task on its own. And I would suggest that millions of babies over billions of years were born and died. Until something happened. And that's where we go back to the cave. Because other animals had taken refuge in a cave. The first animal we are told lived in a cave was a rat. But we know when they're telling us number one is in fact number two, we know that there had to be something else before a rat, but we don't have a hint as to what that is at this stage of the game. First thing we have to do is study what a rat does. And a rat in a cave investigates. It wants to know everything about that cave. Just like a bureaucrat. And it walks around the cave and studies and eats other rats stay alive or dead ones and the advantage to a rat is that it can squeeze itself down into very tiny places and for what human beings would appear as a blank wall, a rat can find an entry point, squeeze itself between the rock, and pop out on the other side in another cave that human beings would never know existed. 
And that's what they did. As number two in the cave, they explored the cave. Now, there's one thing that causes a rat a problem, and that's exploring vertically as opposed to horizontally. It can climb to some extent, but can't go to a directly vertical position at the top of a cave. Or, nor can it cross extra wide bodies of water which are often found underground. And therefore, there had to be an evolutionary path that provided the rat with access to those two places, the ceiling and the other side. And to do that, it had to develop wings. And it was given the name bat. If you look at baseball, a bat is something that allows something else to go in motion. There is a height, a vertical height, and a width problem in baseball getting the ball from the plate to beyond the defensive structure that prevents it from going forward. And only a bat can hit it so that it flies over the head of the defenses and falls in to places in between, and that allows a shorter distance for the next one that tries, or if it's hit that on, it crosses the fence, which prevents any defense and therefore accomplishes the task the rat could not do, get to the height and get to the breadth of the defenses and beyond and creates a home run. Or in literature known as Homer and One, the first book written by Homer. Now, once you have a society of bats 
that can bring things back and forth across the height and the expanse. It can provide um, methods by which the rats themselves can cross, such as branches, starting with small branches, twigs. That's why judges wore wigs, because twigs were a statement about their place in society that allows certain things that would happen to happen, such as a twig does in transferring the energy collected by a leaf to a core of a fruit that would grow food for a seed. Twigs on water could help rats float longer distances. Now, when you have bats and rats in a cave, you have number two and number three. What you need is something that will go outside the cave and find out what's going on there, and that becomes a bigger rat known as a cat. Now, a cat goes outside and brings food back inside and changes the structure of life in that community of bats and cats and rats. Our cats have a habit. Female cats have a habit. And that habit is giving birth to the next line of cats. And if, like me, you had 50 cats in your backyard running around, you would study their activity, and one of the conclusions you come to is that not all cats can give successful births. Many cats have babies that are stillborn or have babies that die because of the conditions in which they're born. However, they still want babies once they've birthed. And if they don't have babies, they go steal somebody else's babies. And they take them home. 
and they raise them as their own. And as the number of cats grew, some had to leave the cave. And of course, a cave is usually in a mountain. So cats that were the size that we're talking about became bigger and known as mountain cats. Puma is one example. Cats that live in mountains and can come down from the mountain to find a herd of goats or antelopes or what have you, chase them down because of their felt ability to sneak up without being heard or smelled or seen. Catch an animal, eat what you can, We're on again. Yeah, I accidentally hung up on you. That was my fault. Okay, a big cat walking around a pond looking for an animal to eat who had just lost a litter may have come across chance one in a couple of hundred million or a billion, a sack by the edge of the pond, and by touching it with its claws, saw the sack break open, and what appeared was a human child. Not the first one. Many had come, lived, and died for a few minutes, hours, maybe even a day or two. 
but with nobody to feed it, would die. This cat, mountain lion, picks up the baby as if it would pick up another cat's babies and takes it home to a cave and feeds it. Think of the movie Tarzan. The baby grows, realizes at one stage of the game that it's different from its mother, and begins to live the life called RIM, Research in Motion. Now you know why the Royal Bank, who has all the secrets of the royals, has a logo of a cat with its tongue stuck out, a mountain lion, and the letters RBC, Rat, Bat, and Cat. Now that child that grows up as research in motion, of course, is one in millions. And you have to wait until two in millions and three in millions occur and a chance meeting of the two groups for there to be gender possibilities. A hermaphroditic female can give birth without a male. But eventually, if what you're looking for is research in motion in more than one gender and having copulation as the means of joining the two, you got to wait a long time. And that's what basically happened between Neanderthalers and Amazons. Neanderthalers, mostly male, if not all male. And Amazons, female, either hermaphroditic or unable to give birth until much later when they would meet a Neanderthaler. But all of this only explains the time from 24,000 B.C. to the present and doesn't give any hint as to what happened before the Ice Age. 
Well, I suggest that you look at the word quantum and the word entanglement, which basically in physics describes genetic engineering. And in both those words, you will find the letters A-N-T, T-A-N, or because A and E are interchangeable, E-N-T. And that'll give you a hint as to what happened to number one, because the missing one in the cave of rats, bats, and cats is the ant. And where does the ant go? The ant goes underground. And the ant runs a society much like the bees run above ground. And that's a queen gives birth to clones. And genetically, at one stage of the game, when there is a requirement, ants can convert from female to male. Prior to the Ice Age, human beings on the planet, from whatever date you want to give, whether 58,000 B.C., 130,000 B.C., or 2 million B.C. or 3 million B.C. or whatever date you want to give them, the original birthing process is now described by the journey of an ant. Ants that grew up as human beings prior to the Ice Age, millions of them, not at the same time, mind you, because of the length of time, involved, populations were relatively small, but that didn't preclude the possibility that some were smarter than others, and some began to study nature, and some began to study the planet, and some began to study the stars. And the stars to those people would have been the same thing as a rat looking at the top of a cave, saying, how do I get there? I've got to grow wings. 
How do I survive there? I got to find out things that will require a large number of investigators. Certainly many more than we have here today. So how am I going to do that? I'm going to devise a system that makes people forget we were here during what I know to be a coming ice age, having lived through a number of them before. But this time we'll hide everything we can hide about our presence. And we will operate in secret from a place below ground. Now we can't operate below ground and by that mean the surface because below ground is a lot of magnetic rock. And we can only operate in caves and below ground for a shortened period of time before the magnetic field that is below ground has an effect on us. And instead of living the length of life we can now live, we will die before the age of approximately 120 years. So we got to find the place in which to hide. And as you go underground, you find the deeper you go, the more pressure is applied on the human body. In the same way as the higher you go, the more pressure is applied on the human body by the Van Allen belt around the planet. But if you can devise a suit in which you can control the effect of pressure on the body, maybe you can go past the point of the problem. Now, we know in a spacecraft, you have control pressures and periods of times where people have to wear pressured suits. The same thing applies going underground. And of course, going underground would be one hell of a long job to dig in a suit. 
However, there is something that comes from underground and goes to the surface that would allow a clearer path, and that's called a volcano, an extinct volcano, given the right suit, would allow a person to descend beyond the point of pressure to a point of balance called the moho discontinuity. Prior to entering the core of the earth, where you could set up headquarters, where you could have a secret lifestyle with knowledge gathered for hundreds of thousands, if not billions of years by a small group of individuals prior to the Ice Age. But knowing full well that you can't solve the problems because your population is not big enough to be used as guinea pigs. And therefore, you have to create a population that will live and die. And from each one of them, you will learn something. And the numbers that they guessed would be required was 7 billion people must be born, live and die having participated in experiments for you to arrive at a point where you've tested every possibility. And every hypothesis has become, has become a reality or has been discarded as unnecessary or unreal. When you arrive at 7 billion people who have died, you'll notice that 7 billion people are alive. And that makes 14 billion people in all either dead or alive. Quantum entanglement is linked to the convergence of two paths along the way. Disentanglement is the path before and after. And genetics links the two. Life after death. When one is asked the question, does it exist? 
the only answer to the question for anyone I've ever met or heard of, the only reasonable answer to the question is, I don't know. Because the only way to know is to have contact with someone who died and lives. Different format, mind you, but lives. And in their own words, speaking to the dead is not a right. that anybody alive has the ability to do. It is a privilege granted to a few by those who have already died. These people, for the purpose of our discussion, although I did all the talking uh, this morning, are known as the cell. Cellular memory of individuals who lived and died in what they call a four-dimensional universe. Of which they have concluded that the seven billion people alive today have taken their control mechanism over the system granted to them beyond repair. And that what is required today is the movement from a four-dimensional universe to a five-dimensional universe The next in line of 26, they claim, exists. And they, for all intents and purposes, have described as a universe of a fifth dimension. The fifth dimension added to the fourth dimension is perfect speed. Perfect speed is being there, according to Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Livingston is a living stone. It is the stone 
of a meteorite having gone through a process over billions of years to separate elements that eventually made you and me. It is an electromagnetic system. It can be charged to a level where it can be used as helpful, such as in the starter of a motor vehicle. Or it can be injurious to health of those people living in an electromagnetic field over time by causing clumping, just like any other magnet would do with a bunch of coins, it can clump parts of the human body together more than likely at the cellular level. And therefore, change its ability to do the job that was intended for it. And cause cancer, clogging of the arteries and heart attacks, strokes. At the lower level, it can cause depression because you're drinking water that has iron in it. And iron and magnets attract or are pushed apart. Water is the mode of transmission. Magnetism is the control mechanism over neurons, electrical currents in the body. Magnetism on a woman can cause fat bottom ladies. Magnetism on a male can cause hydroseal. Both are intended to limit birth. And are to be used at the period in time when the shutdown has been called for. Since all of the testing required for living in space, which is the next place the rats need to go, the existing population must be destroyed and replaced with a new variety known as unicorns.
a unicorn is a human being made by merging male and female and technology. It requires an antenna. The antenna is on the head. Whether or not that is a literal statement or an example of what needs to happen, that unicorn human being is then in 24-7 communications with the Moho discontinuity and can be sent out as single explorers of the universe because they will have the ability of replicate, replicating themselves as clones when the time comes to replace the one that was sent. Food for thought. According to those people who claim to know, and hold the secrets, i.e. the Church of England and its secret service called MI6, the time is now. And according to their schedule, the time says that the last 40 years on the planet for the existing human beings, mostly bureaucrats, ends in 2018 and begins a shutdown over a 40-year period. 28, 38, 48, 58, 2058, as always, give or take four years. 
the sign of the end is 150 years of incorporation in Canada, which occurs next year, 2017. Believe it or not, this has been confirmed to me on this farm by a group who call themselves the Cell. Along with being told a number of things, they told me that no one I tell this to can ever say they know it to be true because they have never told anyone before telling me. And the only thing you get from hearing from me is the fact that I'm telling you, but you have no proof that the cell told me or that the cell even exists. And therefore, everyone has the right to deny it happened or will happen and continue down the path that the bureaucrats of the world have brought you. in order to guarantee that the schedule is carried out, genetic engineers have prepared a government called ONE. UN is UN, the French word for ONE. And they have ordered the governments of the world to take a share of the millions of refugees that have been genetically engineered for the purpose and bring them into their societies. Those engineers are being brought to replace the engineers that control the borders of each country, the immigration policies of each country. And they are standby. told to make children for the next 40 years. 
those children will provide two generations of people who can take over the bureaucracies that exist today. Not unlike 1789, French Revolution, the world controlled by royals, bureaucrats revolted, chopped off the memory capabilities of the royals of their country, and took over. The existing bureaucrats are next in line. What their ancestors did to royals will be done to them. Electromagnetism will be one of the main instruments for their demise. Electromagnetism creates cancer, heart attacks, strokes, Alzheimer's. And the reason for men losing their ability to have an erection to the point where they'll sell you a pill to give you a temporary respite on what electromagnetism is currently doing to you and me and everybody they come in contact with. Electromagnetism is the story of the Ark of the Covenant. Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho and the walls came a-tumbling down. What did Joshua do? Joshua walked around the walls for a week each day carrying the Ark of the Covenant an electromagnetic device. On the seventh day, he carried it seven times, and the walls came tumbling down. What he was doing was providing a visual for the people who lived inside the walls and create the fear. The walls came tumbling down because rocks made up of quartz and granite underneath the town blew up. Removing any ability of the walls above to stand. When the wall called the Northern Peninsula of Michigan comes down, an inland tsunami created a watershed flow 
at least 40 feet high will run down as it would in any toilet in England known as a privy, a privy council is in charge. And I have been told, and you don't need to believe me because you have no proof, that a small group of people chosen to be on the farm, which is the vortex of what is about to occur, will be guided by cats to position themselves for a movement to the fifth dimension. Cats gave human beings their first residence Human beings have responded in kind over time and given cats a residence. Cats are known as animals which are impossible to herd. But at the end, the cats will herd the people in the right direction. That is the purpose of this fire. And as I said, no one here alive today knows whether or not I tell the truth. Because according to the cell, I'm the only one they've told this to. And the majority of people are not invited. The majority of people have gone too far. It's impossible to turn them around. They are and will always be bureaucrats with the interest only being career, pension, and support. Gotta go. All right, Glenn. All right. All right, Glenn.